Hello and welcome to Season 2, Episode 8 of Storytime for Weirdos. This episode is the second part of The Road to Verena Noon, continued from the last episode. I, uh, I don't really have a name, I replied. Slaves didn't get names. Mort had always called me girl, and my mother had called me baby. I took his hand, and I shook it, a gesture I'd seen among the men at Fort Torren. Well, he said, maybe we should give you a name. Walk with me to the Landing Inn, and we'll think of names for you. I nodded, and we walked down the road through the columns. As we walked, I studied him. He was about my height, short for a man, with tan skin and black hair cut short. He had dark green eyes, and his mouth was set in a perpetual smirk. You are a traveler, like me, he asked. I nodded. I'm not very skilled. Tell him your teacher died, my passenger advised. We had worked up a story together, but she couldn't help interjecting. My teacher died, I said. It was true, in a sense. I'm sorry to hear that. I will tell you that travelers are adventurers, folk heroes, dashing men and women of action. Oh, brother, said my passenger. Your name should reflect that, he continued. It will someday be cursed by your enemies and cried out in ecstasy by your lovers. I giggled, despite myself, and he smiled at me. He's a blowhard, said my passenger, but based on his handling of the Lycos, he is a skilled traveler. She paused, as if considering something, and continued. He could teach you better than I can. Are you sure? I thought back at her ignoring Miguel for the moment. I was flooded with doubt. My experience with strange men was not good. I know next to nothing of the free cities, she replied. I would have sought out help if I were traveling on my own. Monica, no, Ashley maybe. It lacks the punch you need. Miguel was running through names, unaware that I wasn't listening. I don't know, I thought back to her. I'll think about it. He was a blowhard, but he'd also saved my life. I do not trust people easily. A person can behave one way in a tense situation like we had just experienced and still be abusive or hurtful. We arrived at the landing inn. It was a squat, two-story building surrounded by gray stone walls. The gate was open and a wagon team was leaving. We waited for the wagon team to pass. Miguel had stopped listing names due to the noise of the horses, creak of the wagon wheels, and shouting of men. Let me buy you breakfast, Miguel said as we walked through the gate. My stomach growled at this, and I quickly assented. I'd eaten only what I could forage for the past week. In the cool, dark interior of the inn was a large common table. We sat at the far end from the other occupants, a sleeping drunk and a child eating a bowl of porridge. A serving woman came out, frowned at the drunk, and gave the child a kiss on the head 
before attending to us. Two bowls of your best porridge, Diane, Miguel said. You want the good stuff from the owner's pot, she replied, smiling at him and winking at me. As I said, he replied, I'm celebrating and will spare no expense. He slid a silver coin across the table and she smoothly picked it up. It's good to see you, Miguel, she said as she turned and left. Any doubts I had about Miguel evaporated. I'd been a serving girl for seven years and knew that the compassion of a man was best measured by how he treated those who brought him food. Now, he said to me, tell me about yourself so that we can properly name you. I haltingly recited the story that my passenger and I had made up. I had been a serving girl at Fort Torren who had drawn the eye of a traveler fleeing the satrap. I had been taught the rudiments of mind walking before my teacher had died fleeing across the badlands. It was close enough to the truth. I see, he said, you were fleeing a tyrant, throwing your fate to the wind, gambling it all for your life and freedom. I guess, I replied, I was just trying to stay alive. You write your own story, he said. Make it as romantic as possible. Actually, I said, hesitantly, I need more than just a name. I paused, and he looked at me expectantly. I need someone to teach me. Show me how to be a traveler. Will you uh, take me uh, as your apprentice? It was a term I'd heard applied to blacksmiths and tanners, never to mind walkers, but it seemed to fit. We stopped talking as the woman brought out two bowls of piping hot porridge. After she left, he leaned back and looked at me appraisingly. How do you think I make money? He asked, his expression more serious than he'd been all morning. Do you think I shift from place to place and people throw coins at me? I, uh, I don't know, I replied. I'll tell you, he said, leaning forward. I find things, people, objects, whatever. I take them and I sell them to other people. Oh, I said. I just faced blue scorpions, deadly traps, armed men, and a packed sorcerer to retrieve a little trinket that I'm going to sell to someone in Verena Nun. He continued, If you were my apprentice, you would help me do that. You would learn to do that. Or I could talk to Diane, he gestured at the kitchen. She always needs an extra hand. You're experienced in service. You know a few extra tricks. You could make a good life here. Let's eat. You think about it. I dug into the porridge, the first real meal I had had in weeks. I was too distracted by his words to enjoy it, though. He makes a good point, said my passenger. You would be safer here. A part of me liked the idea of a safe, comfortable existence and what looked like a nice, well-run inn. Another part of me wailed at the thought of returning to washing cups and cleaning rags. I traveled for weeks, faced dangers, suffered thirst and hunger to get here. It felt like a step back to settle into something so familiar. However, he wasn't exaggerating, continued my passenger. Travelers are known as adventurers and daredevils. You might go nuts if you stay in this inn. Also, if the satrap's guards ever come looking for you, 
They will look in places like this first. I nodded to her and to myself as I scraped the last of the porridge from my bowl. I appreciate the offer and that you're upfront about your uh, line of work, but I'm done working at an inn. I want to learn what I can really do, find out who I really am. I would like to do what it is that you do, I said, trying to sound confident, but aware that I sounded naive. Miguel smiled at me. When I was a boy, my father had a device that played moving images. The images told stories. One of the stories was about a woman who left the man she was supposed to marry on the day of their wedding. She forsake a comfortable life to be herself and test her mettle in a big, scary world. He paused. You are just like that woman. You are a Rachel. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of Storytime for Weirdos, a bi-weekly podcast with new episodes posted on the first and third Saturday of every month.